0: Hello and welcome to Connect Point's podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. The word, the word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 10 and 11. He was in the world. And the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. I come just with a little bit of a... An awareness tonight, a little bit of a challenge if it might be that, I don't know. The question is simply, do we know him? Do we, do we know him? Amen? Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. The very first sentence shows the author as, taking his own approach to what would be the layout of the life of Christ for us to read. Each writer has written from a very specific point of view. The Gospel of Mark opened with the memorable words, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's how the writer Mark started his book. From the first, he refers to the prophetic anticipations, and the historic realization of glad tidings uttered by the Lord. And he, he based all his teaching on the fact that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Matthew puts pen to paper, and he composes his gospel. Matthew, who wished to establish the Lord's special claim to the Messiahship, his official right to the throne of David. He began, Matthew begins with the genealogical proof of the Lord's descent from David and Abraham. That's how he began his book. Luke takes his time under the anointing and direction of the Spirit of the Almighty God. And he looks to illustrate the humanity. He builds a narrative on historic facts and chronological data. He took up his story with the birth of John the Baptist and in conjunction with his baptizing of Jesus, he presents a a lineal genealogy of Jesus through the line of Nathan to David and from David to Abraham and finally to Adam. Each of these took their own approach, a singular specific approach to how they were going to depict for us the life of Christ from its beginning into Calvary and post, and then we get to John, of which we have read in our text. He was as earnestly set upon giving proof of the Messiahship of Jesus as Matthew was, to the degree that he literally ends his writings in John the 20th chapter, in the 31st verse, by saying, but these things that I've just written to you, the things that you've just read, the things that are written, that ye might believe that Jesus, Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. That you might believe, but that through your belief will come your life. Oh, hallelujah. That you will understand, read, know, have knowledge of, take knowledge of, and believe what you have taken knowledge of, but that belief will lead to your life through his name. John was resolved to emphasize the comp- complete humanity of the Son of God, just as Luke was. And he says us in John 1 and 14, right off the bat in the first chapter, he lets it be known, and the word that he opened up his book with. And that same word was made flesh. And made flesh, but not just made flesh, but more close than that, more intimate than that, even more powerfully relational than that. It was made flesh, and it dwelt among us. We beheld, we saw, we witnessed, we experienced His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, which is full of grace and truth. But John He even seems to feel it more deeply, the the radiance of the Father's glory which gleamed in the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, John heard in the words of Jesus the, the veritable voice of the living God. He's trying to get that across in his writings. This is not just a man, this is God. When he speaks, don't you hear the God? When he acts, don't you see the God? Are you picking up on on what we are witnessing here, the divine mission of the Lord? It deeply impressed the evangelist, John. It, It made a big impact on him, the mission that Jesus had upon the earth, that Jesus had come in a very special sense from God, that he was the giver of eternal life, and he was the author of eternal salvation, and that he had the form of God. Through the likeness of men, it, it spoke beautifully and wildly to John. And he tries to convey that to the reader. He wants us to see Jesus for who he is and what he's capable of. And we see that this light that he speaks of, that this light shined into the darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. He tells us that that God came into the world, the literal world that he made, but the world knew him not, and that he eventually even comes unto his own, but they received him not. His own, that phrase speaks to us as his own, meaning the house of Israel. It was the people of his own lineage. And we read in Scripture ourselves, when we open the book and read it, we read the terrible record of his rejection by his own people, by his own disciples at times, by the authoritative chiefs, and by the assembled Sanhedrin, by the very people to whom Pilate appealed to save him from their murderous fury. We, We see he came unto his own, but his own received him not. They didn't just not receive him. They rejected him. They did not just uh, welcome him with loving arms, but instead they they, they brought him before a a pilot. They, They put a whip on his back. They hung him on a cross. They rejected him. They didn't receive him for sure. They received him not. And yet, even though And all-knowing God already knew all of this about humanity. And he knew this about the darkness. And he knew this about the world that he had made that nothing else was made that he didn't make. And though he knew this about his own people, he knew all of this already. And yet still he came. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. And we looked upon the one who was full of grace and truth. We know that he is the same God today as he was then. We know God's presence is with us even though he has physically departed. And if by chance you didn't know that, you should have known that in the last 20 minutes. That though Jesus physically is not walking amongst us and though we cannot physically touch him with our hands and see him with our eyes, we know that we know that he is here. We know that his presence is here. We know that his power is here. We know that Jesus is here in this very place right now. He's in this very place. We know that, that the physical form ascended into the clouds, but he came through on his promise that he would not leave us comfortless. And oh, how he came through on his promise. Oh, how he came through. The power, amen, was promised in Acts 1, and the Spirit is given in Acts 2. And humanity was suddenly closer to God than they had ever been in the history of humanity, no longer following footprints in the sand, but filled with his Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. I tell us tonight, I contend to this church tonight that we have more than they ever had, uh, that we experience more and know more and understand more than they ever did. I know we look back at the Bible and we look back at characters of the Bible and we think that was awesome. I would have loved to experience what they experienced. But can I tell you, uh, saint of God, uh, what you felt in this house tonight uh, is more than most of them ever experienced. Uh, And the knowledge that you have in your head, it's more than most of them ever knew and the hallelujah the ability that you have within you because I'm filled with the spirit of the almighty God it's more it's more than it's more than it's more than the apostles and the prophets it's more than his disciples his family his friends it's more we have so much more Oh, hallelujah. In the beginning was the Word. It was a creative Word. It was a directive Word. The Word of God brought everything else into being. John 1 and 3, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Nothing was made by anyone else other or any other thing than the Word of God. And that's powerful to read it in John. But I think it's even clearer in its meaning when we read it in Colossians chapter one, when it says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Uh, All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him, all things uh, consist oh hallelujah I like the way John said it but I like the way it's in Colossians uh, even better hey, man, uh, thrones or dominions or principalities and powers uh, he said he made it all everything that was made, the word of God made. I want you to notice tonight with me that it does not speak specifically of good ones or godly ones. It doesn't speak of good or godly thrones, good or godly dominions, good or godly principalities or powers, but instead it speaks of all thrones, all dominions, all principalities, and all powers. He goes on to say even more. It's not even that. It's even the things that are And the things that are invisible, you don't even see it. You don't even know what's going on. You could even say that the secret or the unknown things, God made them all. Oh, hallelujah. God is completely aware of every backroom purpose and plan. God is completely aware of every secret agenda being carried out by evil. God is completely aware of all of it because every entity that exists was made by the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. But look closer with me. Look closer with me. Take it to the next level. He says all things were made by him. But that's not all it says. They were made by him and for him. Oh hallelujah. They were made by him, and they were made for him. If it just said they were made by him, it would breed confusion in my mind. If it just said every principality and power and authority, that everything that exists was made by him, I would struggle to comprehend why would God make that person? Why would God allow and, and that authority? Why would God allow that process of life to be established? But it doesn't just say that it was made by him. It says that it was made for him. I mentioned it last week. It's been on my mind all week long. We have an omniscient God. God knows everything. He knows everything. And therefore, because we are connected to a God that knows everything, then we have some promises in Scripture that are for us. Like Isaiah 54, when the prophet writes, In righteousness shalt thou be established, and shalt be far from oppression. For thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall, for thy sake, behold, he says, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument of his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and the righteousnesses of me, saith the Lord. He didn't just make all things. It wasn't made by him. It was made for him. And we are the servants of the holy God. We are the servants of the almighty, powerful, all-knowing God. And so because of that, he declares unto us that no weapon formed or tongue that rises against thee shall prosper. That word formed there is the illustrated idea of a potter working to build the perfect peace where time is taken and everything is considered for success. And no, we normally look at that in a positive light and we say things like, Lord, you are the potter and I am the clay. Isaiah uses it illustratively of an enemy that is working, planning, and building something specifically designed to come against us. Like a potter would take the time to build something that would be successful in work. He says there are those that would try to form a weapon against us and they would work intricately, very detailed. They would study you and learn you so that they could be successful in your demise. But the Bible says even though they take all that time and put all of that thought and energy into it, it's going to fail because I've got a God that knows that they've done all that. I've got a God who sees that they've done all that I've got a God that knew it was gonna happen in the first place and this he says is the heritage of the servants of the Lord this is the portion and the possession of those who give their lives to Christ is that I'm connected oh hallelujah I have relationship with the omniscient God Joseph was betrayed by his own blood, his evil-minded brothers. His life is seemingly in everyone else's control but his own for long parts of his story. But yet God's plan and purpose is fulfilled, and he ends up where God intended him to be. Oh, hallelujah. I had a preacher tell me something the other day. You'll forgive me that I haven't had a lot of time to study it out, but it's interesting, at least on the surface, where the Bible talks about, hey, man, uh, that God has plans for us. The plans that he has for us is plural there. He uses the word plans, up, plural, as if, uh, amen, it's not necessarily one singular plan, but that God's got enough plans that no matter, amen, what we do to mess it up, if we'll, tr- if we'll come back to him, uh, there's another plan in place already uh, to get us to where he intended us to be. Amen, I'm telling you, amen, I don't think it's uh, uh, too far out of lines. Uh, and I feel good about preaching that just for a second. I'm thankful to know a God uh, who doesn't just have a plan uh, that once I mess it up, uh, it's thrown out the window, but he's got plans for me. Uh, Oh, hallelujah. So if I get off track, uh, and if I get out of the way a little bit, he says that's all right. If you'll turn to me, I've got a plan in place already to get you back to where I wanted you to be. If you go the wrong direction, I've got a plan over there to help you get back to where I intended you to be joseph ends up exactly where he's supposed to be even though it seems like everybody but god is affecting his direction and still he ends up exactly where he is supposed to be Mm. amen so he finds some time that goes by and he. Forgives his brethren and he reunites with them and reunites with his father. But then years later, his father dies. And when his father dies, his brethren suddenly think that Joseph is now going to take his revenge as if he has just been holding back his vengeance because of the sake of daddy. And so when daddy's gone, they think that he is going to take their revenge. And so they send a letter and they come and actually fall down before him again and basically beg for their lives before he has even said anything or done anything. But Joseph instead shares a truth that they had still not learned. In Genesis 50 and 20, he says, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good. To bring to pass, oh hallelujah. God meant it under good because he was bringing some stuff to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Joseph said, I know what you think you did but I, lo- I learned something a long time ago. You didn't do anything that God didn't know you were going to do. There wasn't nothing that happened to me that God didn't know it was going to happen but he had plans for me and he was bringing it to pass so that lives would be saved. I'm thankful in the house of the Lord tonight that he's got plans for me. I'm thankful in the house of the Lord tonight that even though there might have been some that thought evil against me, i got a God uh, who thought it unto my good. Oh, hallelujah. Thought it unto my good. This is the promise and the possession of those, the scripture says, who serve the Lord. It is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. That word servants there is, is the, the commonly used word servants throughout Scripture. It means bondman. It means someone who is under someone else's authority. He says you're the servants of the Lord. People who have sold out their own will and surrendered their will to God. People who are done fighting for their way people who are done trying to make it happen, who have to be in control, who have to have their hands on the steering wheel. Those people can't be the servants of the Lord, but when they finally let go and let God and surrender all to the Lord and are crucified with Christ, he said those are the servants of the Lord, and there's a heritage. There is a, there is a possession. There is something that they get by becoming a heritage of the Lord, and that thing that they get, oh hallelujah, is that an omniscient God is working on their behalf. It's the promise of the possession of those who serve the Lord. It's the blessing in the relationship of with the one who was made flesh and dwelt among us. He was made flesh. Think about what they had. Oh. Oh, I know, I know looking back is. It's not good. You can't judge people. We we can't judge people in Scripture. Everybody thinks that they're going to be able to stand when the music plays like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Everybody thinks that they'll be able to fall asleep in the lion's den. Everybody thinks they'll run out on the battlefield when Goliath is talking. Everybody thinks that because we're reading about things that happened a long time ago. Because we weren't there. And so I know we don't look back, but, but oh, I, I have to just wonder uh, for a little bit what it was like when he was made flesh and dwelt among us. What it was like. They beheld the glory as the only begotten of the Father. They saw it with their own eyes. They walked with him by the Kermes and they talked with him. They sat around fires with him. Imagine. The Minjavar opened up his yard, I guess, the other night. We had a bonfire at his house, and the men sat around in a circle, and and we talked. Imagine that same scenario, but with Jesus physically sitting there. This is what they had. This is what they experienced. They were literally there on the boat when the storm was raging. They were literally in fear for their lives, and it was all coming crashing down around them until somebody wakes up Jesus and he says, Peace be still. And they witnessed with their own eyes nature obey a man's voice. He became flesh. And dwelt among us. Oh, what an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing. But I've come tonight with a little bit of just a word of caution. A reminder, perhaps. That he says that the light, it shined into the darkness. But the darkness comprehended it not. He says that God came into the world, the world that he made, and the world knew him not. And he says that he came unto his own, he came unto his own, his own people, he came unto his own people, and his own people received him not. Oh, hallelujah. If you hear pastor tonight, we run the risk of knowing about him but not really knowing him. We can run the risk of being around him but not connected to him. We can run the risk of hearing the word but not Doing the word. Hebrews 11. It's all about what faith looks like. It's not just a list of names, it's a list of stories. It's about what faith looks like. And it declares in Hebrews 11 and 6 But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. But that's not all you have to believe. You have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of what? Them that diligently seek him. It's a difference. It's a difference just to believe that he is but to diligently seek Him. It's a difference just to know about Him, but to really know Him. The difference is is there's got to be something in my spirit that says I want to know Him more today than I knew Him yesterday. There's got to be something inside my spirit that says I want to learn more about my Jesus. I want to know more about my Savior. I want to grow closer to my God. There's got to be a drive. There's got to be a passion. There's got to be something that causes me to diligently seek him. Because that's what faith is. Faith is not just believing that he is, but it's believing that he is and then diligently seeking him. We have the illustrations laid before us in Hebrews. Oh, hallelujah, and I'm coming to a close. We have the illustrations laid before us in Hebrews. Abel and Enoch. Noah and Abraham. Sarah and Isaac and Jacob. Joseph and Moses. And on and on. In fact, eventually, the author simply writes it like this. He eventually just says, And what shall I more say? He tells the story of Abel and Enoch. He tells about the faith of Noah. He describes the faith of Abraham and Sarah. He describes the faith of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and a few more. He tells their story. He says what they did. He illustrates their life. This is what faith looks like. But then he says, you know what? He says, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who, he says, I I don't have enough time to tell you about all those people who through faith, what did they do? Through faith, he says, they subdued kingdoms. And they wrought righteousness. Righteousness. And they obtained promises, and they stopped the mouths of lions, and they quenched the violence of fire, and they escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong, and waxed valiant in fight, and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, but not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Moreover, of bonds and imprisonment that they were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute and afflicted and tormented. And he stops right there. You can almost see him as he's writing, And he pauses for a second under the anointing of the Spirit of God. He's listening. He's writing these names. And he's uh, what they went through. And some of them endured great agony and great pain. But they kept the faith. And so he pauses right in the middle of it. And he says, of whom the world was not worthy. The world was not worthy of such people of faith. Then he says, I go on. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth and these all having obtained a good report through faith they did it through faith They received not the promise God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect but they got there through faith but they got there they're in heaven today because of faith they're in heaven today. Oh, hallelujah. Noah, who stood in the face of his culture and built the ark anyway, is in heaven today. He built a massive ark, could have saved a lot of souls, but people mocked and laughed at him, and it only ended up saving his family. But thanks God, thank God it saved his family, and they're in heaven today. Abraham and Sarah, and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. In heaven today, and those who wax valued in fight, and those who turned their enemies to flight, and women who received their dead raised to life again, suffered the anguish of a dead child, but also the miraculous of a resurrection. Others were tortured, and they wouldn't accept their deliverance because they wouldn't deny their faith. Some were torn asunder and some were slain with the sword and some just ended up wandering around in sheepskins and goatskins and destitute and afflicted and some had a lot of torment in their days and the world was not worthy of them because no matter what they looked like to the world they were people of faith they had faith Why did they have faith like that to survive such things and to go through such things and stand the test of time and to still be standing when everything else was falling apart around them? They had faith because they had encountered a God who knew all things and had all power and they had connected themselves to that God and they believed his word. The same word that spoke the world into existence. The same word that made everything that was made and without his word nothing was made. And the same word that eventually became flesh and dwelt among us. That's why they had faith. They didn't even see Jesus. (laughs) They never saw him they never saw Jesus. They never saw Jesus. But then He came. God with us, our Emmanuel, came. Robed in flesh, He came. The Word became flesh. He came. Oh, hallelujah. And they witnessed Him. And those that witnessed Him wrote about him and they wrote about him and they told the stories and they recorded his words those words that direct us and feed us still today It was awesome that the people of the Old Testament got to heaven through faith. And there were those in the New Testament, uh, amen, who are in heaven today having witnessed a man Jesus Christ uh, in the flesh. But I still contend to you in this place tonight uh, that we have more than they ever had that we have more than they ever, ever experienced. That we have been blessed and privileged with more than they were ever blessed and privileged with. We're walking around with the spirit of the almighty God in these earthen vessels. We're going to bed and we're waking up and he's there. Where can I go that he's not there? It's not just an idea of an omnipresent God, but I feel him in my soul. I know that He's with me every moment, every day, every second, every hour, good days and bad days, sickness and health when I got people for me or I got people against me. I've got a God that is with me. Oh, hallelujah. That's why when we sing, before me, behind me, always beside me, no shadow, no valley, when the righteous sing that song, when the true servants of the Lord sing that song, it's something that overcomes us a little bit because we have something special. Because we have something special. And we are called people of faith, you and I. We're called people of faith, but we must be people of faith. I don't want to just be called a person of faith by someone who doesn't even know what faith is. I want to be a person of faith. Because if I'm not, you hear your pastor tonight, because if I'm not, then I'll just be another person, we'll just be another group that God came to, and we comprehend Him not, and we know Him not, and we receive Him not. Because if I don't really have faith, and I'm not really a person of faith, and I'm not really holding on to the heritage of the Lord because of my relationship with Him who became flesh, then I the same mistake the darkness made and the same mistake the world made and the same mistake his people made and not even really know him stand with me if you would please we've beheld his glory you and I We've beheld His glory. We beheld His glory in the first moments of this service tonight. We beheld the glory of the Lord. Did you catch that moment? Not too far from when we started to transition, when the music faded and all of a sudden Multiple people at one time just lifted their voice and began to speak in tongues with a loud voice. No direction. Nobody said to do it. Didn't even seem like it was building up to that. But suddenly, people all over the auditorium threw their heads back and lifted up their voice and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the hundreds. You and I have beheld the glory of God. We behold his glory on a regular basis we're around it all the time we've experienced his grace and truth John tells us in him was life and the life was the light of men and so the question I have tonight is is does his light in my life Tell the world that I know him. Does his light in our lives, does it declare to this world that we know Jesus? I don't care what they say before it. They can put me in the group with Peter and the disciples and say these be unlearned and ignorant men. I'm fine with that. As long as they finish it with, but they have been with Jesus. They know something we don't know. They have an understanding of something we don't have an understanding of. They got something that I want. Yay, they got something that I need. Do we know Him? To the degree is in us, and it penetrates into the darkness, and people look at us and say, they know Jesus. Would you close your eyes and raise your hands and begin to talk to the Lord? Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.